The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. Good day, everyone. Mac 19 here, and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Uh, joining us tonight, as always, is Portia. How are we? I'm quite good. That's the way. Subdued. <laughs> Subdued. <laughs> Yeah. Four, five out of ten, six out of ten. Oh, let's say six. Six. Yeah. That's compared okay. compared to the thrill I was in when I heard we were maybe getting Richmond's first round pick next year for Hamish Hart. Let, let's let's probably gone back down to about a six. Oh uh, yes. And joining us for the first time in what feels like forever is Rick. Mate and mate, how's it going? Hey. What is going on? Rick, the know. world traveller. He's back. I'm back. I am back. Are you wearing saffron robes and have you shaved your head or are you good? Uh, give it time. You never know. Okay. You never know. I, I did become a Buddhist while I was away, though. Oh, if, all the all of it or? Hey? All of it or, or just some parts of it? What do you mean all of it? Well, like diet and stuff, you know, not eating animals and, you know, there's this different levels, I thought. Well... <laughs> No, there isn't. Uh, well, you don't yeah. have to be a vegetarian. No, but so, um, but I, I am a vegetarian um, okay. because before when I went to Nepal's heavily vegetarian, so yeah. um, I just found that I lost weight by being a vegetarian, and I felt better. So I just thought I'd stick with it. So it had nothing to do with the. Uh, um, the Buddhist path, anyway. But I just thought, from a lifestyle perspective, um, yeah. So, but there is two components to it. You can uh, um, you can just say you want to be a Buddhist and, and not take you know their vows, or you can take the the, the five their five vows if you like, um, which is a little bit harder core, um, yeah. but tolerable. So yeah, I did that and. It's not as much the religion for me. It's more the philosophy. And I think that's how you could look at Buddhism. It's more a philosophy than a religion. and uh, But it's a very good philosophy if you execute it right. There we go. Yeah, that's fair enough. Take the bits you want. Yep. Hey. You take the bits you want. Yeah, yeah. So for me it was about, because the challenge is coming back to the Western materialistic world and trying to uh, learn everything or implement everything you've learned, um, you know, it would be easy to fall back into a false sense of security and all the bad habits quite easily. So for me, uh, doing what I did was more um, an aspect of keeping mental discipline in, in continuing on with the practice that I learned in, in controlling and improving the mind, and, and that's why I did it. Cool. There Peace we go. out, brothers. And Peace that and is harmony. the Vegan um, Hour on Port Fan Radio. Join yeah, us next week say. where we uh, review chickpeas <laughs> in full detail. Thank you. Oh, hey, I made chickpeas and curry. Awesome oh, yum. And it rocked. Happy to share the recipe anytime. <laughs> well, let's get on because it's going to be a, there's a lot to talk about, I guess, uh, this podcast. So we'll start with a bit of trade news. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, the club told us that... Uh, well, Richie told us that we had 13 players on the market. We'd be looking to be an aggressive player in trade period this year. Got mm-hmm. some big names out there on uh, for sale. 
then Thursday comes around, uh, and in the space of about four hours, we get notified that Broadbent has decided to stay, Hamish Hartlett has decided to stay, and Lobie is likely to stay. So, is this just another example of Port Adelaide being all talk, no action, or is that a bit too yes. harsh considering they're all contracted? Uh, well, yeah, they were all contracted before any bold declarations were made, right? Like, that mm. didn't change. So, if you go out there making those sorts of statements and you haven't done that little bit of work and say, hey guys, are you actually going to say yes to a trade? Then, you know, you're going to look like a bit of a goose, aren't you? But who knows, maybe there's more on there. I know that when they're talking about Hartlett not being traded, that when Chris Davies was asked, he's saying, oh, there's, it's almost certainly not going to happen. Like, almost certainly. He keeps putting these qualifiers in everything he says and talking about mature conversations. So, um, yeah, it's possible something will come out, but the reality is we're probably sitting back and trying to be the opportunists that make deals work for other people so we can profit from that. Yeah. That would be my guess. Sounds pretty boring to me. Mm. Yeah, it is. I think, yep. a hand, I think our hands are tied. I mean, the fact that we can only get Vardy, even though I'm not overly enthusiastic about recruiting Vardy, um, the only way we can get him is if Loeb goes. So it makes it, do, makes it sound like our salary cap's pretty uh, full. And, uh, oh, and it I sounds say very unimaginative. Yeah, the only thing I take out of that is the fact that we don't rate Vardy very highly, but just slightly ahead of Lobby, and we can't afford to have both on our list, which is true. Yeah, and I'll say that, that Vardy is no chance to come here if we've still got Lobby. Yeah, well... Is it we can't afford the, the cost, or we can't afford a, another tall Ruckman on our list? Not worth why why would Vardy make that move if he's behind Ryder, Trengove, and Lobby? Uh, mm. Like what's in it for him? <laughs> yeah, true. Like, he's he's going from being like third banana at Geelong to being fourth banana at Port Adelaide. Like, why would you bother? Mm. Yep. The question I had for you guys that I thought of today is if Travis Cloak's really cheap, no, and we're really short on forwards, why why wouldn't we look at Travis Cloak? Because he won't be really cheap. No, but I thought he was. He's still contracted. Like, yeah. he's still got a contract, and it's a very large contract that we would have to oh. uh, subsidise somehow. Not oh, not that... to mention that after making a three-year bid for Daniel Wells, the 32-year-old, um, Collingwood are going to want to find some way to, to take a, a, a trade victory away from this week as well. So, mm. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously, Trade Week Radio must have been just referring to cheap then as uh, a cheap pick to get yeah. him. Yeah, uh, different. Yeah, I sort of. I thought co- it'll cost the dogs like a third or fourth round pick, and that'll be it. But someone's still going to have to pay his, you know, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year for the next two or three years or whatever it is that he's uh, he's got left. Yeah, so it's, Colin, it's certainly not cheap in that regard. Unless Collingwood's willing to absorb some of his uh, salary to get rid of him. Mm. Well, they're paying Daniel Wills six hundred grand a year, so. I'm not sure they'll have much room to manoeuvre there either. But uh, I think so I, guess... I think it's hard to just. I think it'd be hard for them to justify bringing Wells in and then trading, you know, relatively senior players out when they're clearly gearing up for a premiership shot, I would have thought. Mm. Who? Collingwood? Yeah, well, that's that's the way they're trading. They're trading like they're going to try and make top four next year or, more Ah. importantly, secure Nathan Buckley another contract. Yeah, that's... I can't see it happening, but that's certainly the, the path they're trying to take. Yeah, clearly. 
So what does this mean for trade period for us? Um, I'm not sure how we can be aggressive or, or look to get back into this draft with uh, by doing you know Carl Amon for pick 76 and Cam O'Shea for pick 101. So, well, I mean, there's nothing aggressive about it, is there? Realistically, um, if you know, if if because there's been no like apart from the the, the more high profile names, uh, there's been no buzz about any of them. Has there really? No one's, no one, the stuff we're talking about, like, oh, O'Shea to St. Kilda, like, that's a two year old rumor now. Um, you know? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. There's no way that's going to happen. Nah, no, no. And, and so it just all looks really weak. Like, the only thing I can think that we might get a couple of deals done on the last day because, you know, the game of musical chairs is ending and someone realizes, oh, we need to fill that seat with a, a plot of halfback. And they'll say, Port, Port. That's where you go for plotter halfbacks. Can we have X for free? And we go, yes, it is yours for free. Yeah. And that's it. It's quite tragic, though, really, isn't it? I mean, I feel like, and I'm happy to be bashed on this comment, but I feel like we've been pretty meek um, quite a bit in recent time in trade period. And no, we certainly I think are. We're, right. And we're falling, but, on our, we're falling on our sword for our meekness and loyalty to players. And you know, now they're, now these serial offenders are the ones that I've sort of been banging on about for the last couple of years that are not performing. Uh, Loeb, Hartlett, Broadbed especially. If we threw West off in there, we'd have my Rick's um, quadrilla. Um, you know, and now they're all going, oh, we don't want to go anywhere. And we can't force them because they've got contracts. So I really hope that these boys are, are made to account and Ken Hinckley does the only thing that he can do is if they don't perform, then he drops them, even if that means expensive players in the reserves. Yeah. Look, if, if we don't perform next year and it looks like we're going to miss the finals, then quite simply the quadrangle of doom have to go. Yeah. Well, uh, how? But, you know, like we well, talk about being simple. meek. We're not no, being, I'm talking being about being... the leadership of the club. Like, if we, if, oh. you know, we are now looking like treading water this year. We've got our arch rival picking up an exceptionally good player in Bryce Gibbs. Um, mm. They're going to be gunning for a premiership next year. What are we doing to uh, get us back into the finals other than, well, I hope they get their, the mental side of their game right and we'll just stick with the you know, the playing group which has failed the last two years. Um, if we don't make the finals next year, then you've got to say goodbye to Ken Hinckley, you've got to say goodbye to Chris Davies, you've got to say goodbye to Keith Thomas and you've got to say goodbye to David Kosh. Simple as that. And more importantly, whoever replaces them cannot be allowed to say, I'll see how you guys go, and then allow them the same bullshit path of redemption that Ken Hinckley did. Um, you know, we've, the guys that have let us down now, the guys that have let us down for a long time, you know, uh, and coming into the club fresh. I mean, the whole idea of having a new coach come in and have a clean slate is that they make the changes that are rotten in your club and need to be made, and we didn't do that. We gave everyone a second chance, and they did all right for a year, and then they did all right for a second year, and then it all got the momentum started going the other way, and everything's gone to shit again. Yeah. Um, but if if we're meek, we're not, we're not meek now. We're not meek in trade week. We're making our list management, list management, list management, the, the, the Porsche list management drinking <laughs> game. Um, it's yeah. We it, every time we sign a player that is not definitely 100% top 15 to a two-year contract, not nah, we've screwed up. Every time we sign any player to a five-year contract and they're not pretty close to being a Brownlow medalist, now nah, we're kind of stuffed up. Um, every every measure we can make for how we control it, how we manage our personnel. 
whether it's like moving Sean Hart to a development role from director of coaching, um, <laughs> it, that's where we're meek, is in every appointment we make off field and the appointments that those people make on field. Uh, and it just this is now the symptom. This is basically the cold that you get after being out all night partying and not rugging up. You know, and this is this is this is this is the this is the result of the 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 terrible practices we've put into place. Yeah. So it's almost like that email I sent that I won't talk about in too much detail, Matthew. But <laughs> it's all like that, isn't it? Really, all those criticism, meekness, not making hard decisions. Not the ruthlessness of Port Adelaide from what we've known in the past. Um, it'll be a fun coffee in a week and a half time. Yeah, it certainly will. <laughs> well, let's talk about some uh, other trade goss. Uh, I mentioned before that Bryce Gibbs looks like he's uh, going to go to the Crows. He's named the Crows as his destination club. Um, should be a good pick up for them, and it also adds another name to their uh, quota of campaigners. Yeah, I don't really care about this one. Like, I know that he'll probably, he'll have fun in that defence, but the way he'll have fun in that defence will probably be the way that Peter Bergwijn had fun in that, what, 2006-ish, 7-ish defence, yeah. um, in that he'll sort of run around free and he'll probably look pretty good, but I don't think he'll make, I don't think he'll be beneficial to their side, personally. Right. He'd have to play as a centre-square midfielder, wouldn't he? He won't, though, will he? <laughs> I would have thought he would. Oh, I doubt that. I'm not I, I, I reckon he'll come straight into their side and play the Hamish Hartlett bullshit quarterback position, frank, yeah, frankly. I, that is very plausible. I reckon they'd be looking at him playing as a centre square mid or on a wing. Um, sort of pushing a bit more forward than what uh, Hammer does. Mm. You know, the more pertinent thing about this is it brought back memories with me and Ford of the, um, on the forum today on, of the... Old Ross Gibbs stories. Do you, do you guys have any old Ross Gibbs memories from the the eighties or nineties? None. 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 God, I used to hate Ross Gibbs. So he was, he was a pain in the ass. <laughs> he was an absolute pain in the ass. He was a good player, but he was just such a. I gave him the biggest. I think he spray. was one of the very first players to get um, a significant suspension for uh, for touching an umpire. I think he got something like twelve weeks for uh, pushing an umpire in the reserves. Wouldn't surprise me. Mm. He threatened me at a game of footy one day. Oh, yeah. Not that I didn't deserve Who it. Hasn't? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say you probably That's deserved it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got me so angry. I think we won. I can't even remember what year it was. It was, um, but it was a good time. Oh, I guess the other big news, the other big news is that uh, Tyrone Vickery is now a hawk. Which, um, well, there's a lot of players. Uh, sorry, there's a lot of fans out there that don't particularly like Vickery, but um, you would think he's coming into a to perform that sort of David Hale type role where he's going to sort of play as a third toll up forward, uh, pinch hit in the ruck, and look if they get sort of thirty goals and you know ten hit outs a game from him, uh, you'd have to say that's probably a win. Yeah, I'm interested by what the Hawks are doing this off season, and it's probably not for the same reasons other people are. Um, people are generally saying, "Oh, how can Hawthorne afford to bring all these players, premierships, blah blah blah." Um, that's not what's interesting to me. What's interesting to me is that they are doubling down on trying to just eke out another crack at a premiership. Like yeah. after the after their run, they've had they they quite reasonably would do like a West Coast and maybe bottom out for a year or two. 
but they're not doing that. They're chocoing it. They're trying to trade in these short-term fixes to keep them in the the area. So like Tom Mitchell is the other one. If they get Tom Mitchell, um, then that's yeah, good yeah. and he'll – yeah, well, Tom Mitchell will theoretically replace Sam in in a, a year or two. Yeah. Um, Jaeger coming in, well, who knows how he's going to turn out with the injury record he's had. Uh, they're taking risks and they're paying the they're paying full price for them, which is uh, it's interesting to see how that's going to work in their side. Yeah, they probably, need, they probably need to do something like that a little bit because, to be fair, they don't really have a lot of talent coming through. Um, they are That's a little it. bit light on. The cliff is very near. So if they don't want yeah. to sort of be a bottom four side in you know, a year or two's time, then they probably do need to look to trade aggressively, and that's what they've done. Well, for me, it feels like they're not not—they're not just accepting the cliff and trying to scale down it like they're running at it. Mm. <laughs> that, that's what this says to me. Because when the four comes, it's going to be real hard because they're not yeah. doing the underwork that they should be. Yeah, but I think um, if Mitchell especially and, and Jaeger play to what they can, they're going to be getting two very, very uh, handy players. And I guess if they can develop Vickery, which they've always seemed to get the, the tall guys um, playing uh, successful roles in their structure. So if they can get Vickery doing the same, well, I guess it will pay off for them. I guess when we've tried it, the problem is we haven't been able to convert those risks into... Um, solid contributors, but I guess I think the thing for me that's the problem is that teams like Hawthorne and Geelong, year after year, seem to make trading every postseason really seamless and get the deals done that they do. And whereas for us, it seems to be really, really hard work, and yeah. we seem to be compared to some of these other clubs, we seem to be really inefficient. Um, in relation to this aspect of AFL football, which is now fundamentally important. Well, these well, trades aren't done yet, so let's just wait and see. Like, you know, the Jaeger O'Meara trade might take until the last day to get sort of sorted out, so I guess we just got to wait and see. Yeah, I, I think there's an important difference between Hawthorne's and Geelong's ability to do that than Port's, is that they are in a team with, or in a state with 10 teams still. Um, and so it's it's not as hard to get players to the point where they're thinking, yeah, I'll change clubs. It means I drive a different direction, but it's about the same. Like there's not at that point. Whereas in Adelaide, like the only team we could do that with is the Crows, and apparently Chris Davies doesn't want to trade with the Crows. So there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we've always got to go the extra mile to convince people to uproot everything. So Chris Davies is getting a lot of criticism at the moment. What do you guys think? Is it substantiated, unsubstantiated? Um, I'm the one with the reins on this bandwagon, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of his, uh, a lot of the deals were done before his time. So if we're going to be sort of picking oh, on anyone, it should really be Peter Road because he's the one that would have organised the majority of these trades. Hammer is on Chris Davies, but uh, outside of that, pretty much. All the other uh, big long-term contracts would be on Peter Oates' head. Wasn't the, except for the wasn't, recent ones. Wasn't the Lobie extension? Yeah, one recent one in, in Hammer. And that's it. Like, the Lobie one was already done. Right. Oh, well, it didn't come. It didn't sign off until Davy started. But yeah, fair enough. Which is like a month later. But like even ones like you know Jake Need's got another two years on our list, and it's like really he already had three years. 
you know, there's lots of little ones like that that we're going to see more of. I don't know when Justin Westhoff's last extension was, but that's probably a Davies one as well. Um, you know, that's there's they're, they're there and they're the usual suspects. We should have been talking about this last time. Anyway. Yes. All right, let's move on and talk about our player reviews because this week is called the Yet to Prove. Let's make it a positive yeah. one because it's all about young players and uh, those that it look is. like they've got a lot of talent. So it should be a good one. Uh, the first player we're going to talk about is Will Snelling, who is uh, 19 years old. It was his first season at Port Adelaide on the rookie list. Uh, played the one AFL game in the final round against Gold Coast. Picked up 15 touches a goal and six tackles. Also played eight SANFL games for uh, five goals uh, and an average of 18 touches, seven tackles and three inside 50s a game. Uh, as we know, he started the year on the rookie list and made his debut. Um, how did you think he went this year? Uh, look, I mean, his debut was pretty good, and obviously during the year he had some pretty consistent performances when he was fit. Um, he did everything you'd expect him to do, which which is good in a way, um, because like we, we picked him up on the rookie list at exactly the time, like that's when he should have been drafted. He's come in and he's performed pretty much as he should have performed this year, which really kind of says he's on exactly the right curve to actually maybe be an AFL footballer at some point. Yep. Um, so, so that's nice. Um, you know, he's got. A, it's the reason why he's the the number one name in this. The yet to prove is because he's got to be able to show that he can compete uh, at the level he needs to at AFL level. So um, yeah. we haven't seen that yet, but hopefully next year we will. I found him exciting. I mean, he had that injury that set him back for a while, didn't it? But yeah. I like I liked his output. I mean, his his height's obviously an issue, but I guess there's. A few players now like, um, you know, Sam Gray and Caleb Daniel and a few others out there that show that you don't necessarily have to be tall. I don't think we can have... Can we carry two players like Sam Gray and and Snelling in the side, though? Probably. Uh, I I think it's debatable, but maybe. Um, Who knows? Maybe Sam Gray is one of the guys, because apparently he's got interest, ha-ha. But maybe he'll be one of the guys that gets traded, you know, might be. Um, in which case it's not an issue, but yeah, why, there's certainly possibility for them to. Where else? But where does where else? Can, like, can Snelling reliably play as a small forward, for example, when he's not in midfield, or, or what? Is, what can he do? Uh, it, don't know. I, I wouldn't think so. I think he's a pure midfielder for me. Um, and that's might concerning. be able to have a go on a flank because he did play on the flank in the SNFL last year for Westies. Uh, for a little bit as well. Um, so look, he could play on a flank, but for me, he's more of a sort of pure mid. Yeah, well, I mean, pure mids are okay, but like when you're a smaller player that might get shuffled around for matchups, like I think you've got to be versatile. You know, that's yeah. that's the demands that you've got to be able to meet. You know, that's why, yeah. <laughs> so if, he, if I think that he needs to develop an extra string to his bow and maybe be a, a player that can you know, hang around a forward pocket or hang around half forward and jag a good goal or something like that. Like, he needs to add that to his game if it's not already evident, which it's sounding like it's not. Do you think he might have debuted earlier if he'd uh, been fit for most of the year? Because he did miss. He only played nine games for the season. He did miss about three months there mid-year. Yeah, I think he could have debuted around the week after that Carlton game or something like that if he was was fit, for sure. We were pretty... Pretty tapped at that point and willing to try anything out, I thought. So, yeah, he could have had a crack. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Dylan on the uh, Spreaker chat has said, can Sam Gray reliably play as a small forward? Um, is it? I would say well, we probably no. tried and failed that. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, Sam Gray is pretty one-dimensional too, really, isn't he? 
Yeah, so that yeah. makes that question of whether you can have both on the side that makes it pretty clearly no, unless one or both of them develops other aspects to their game. Yeah. And can I just can I just say hey, a shout out to Dylan, my main man. I've missed him the last six weeks at his uh, <laughs> his quick wit. So it's good to hear that he's uh, he's still following the team. That's it. We all love you, Dylan. Cheers, mate. That's all I've got. I'm not adding anything to that. <laughs> uh, you're so tough to please, Portia. Uh, Bevan oh, has also said Snelling is the first time in a while we've uh, used the rookie list to our benefit. And you've probably got to agree with that as well. And I guess the last question is, um, what chances will we have uh, in becoming a regular player for Port Adelaide? Do we think he can make it? Like, what's his ceiling here? He could make it. But he's going to have to do it fairly quickly. Like we, can, we can, he's not the sort of player that you can justify leaving on the rookie list another year or two. If he's not senior list, you know, within the next year, then he's probably not worth hanging around. Um, because there's always there's always these little guys that you can have a crack at in the rookie draft and give them a go. And if they're not up to speed within two years, then generally they're not going to work out. So, yeah. Right. All right, next player is uh, Riley Bonner, who's also 19 years old. It was also his first year on the list as well. He also played one AFL game in the final round against Gold Coast and picked up 22 touches, four marks and six rebound 50s. Played 16 SANFL games for the year, uh, kicked two goals and averaged uh, 17 touches, five marks and four rebound 50s a game. Um, Like Will, as we said, Riley debuted in his final round. Um, How was his first year at Port? Ah, uh, good enough. Realistically, uh, he's, he, he, I think that he's managed to. I don't think he's done anything to deserve it, but I think he's managed to do enough to make all the Port fans go, "Oh, he's fine." And because we're angry with other flankers, we're all saying he can replace O'Shea and Stewart and you know ten other flankers in our side, which is probably it's probably a little bit too much um, backing for him right now. But he's, he, I think he's done enough, and he's shown that he's got enough talent and speed, and he's not made any horrible stuff-ups that I'm aware of. So, yeah. he, you know, he's come along all right. He's had a good first year at Port Adelaide. How did you find his uh, first-year Magpie performances, Portia? I didn't. Ask Macca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're a little bit up and down at, at stages. Certainly in the first half of, of the year, he maybe played a couple of uh, poor Magpies games. But overall, especially in the second half of the season, I thought he was super consistent and... Yeah, given our injuries and uh, the fact our season was essentially over halfway through the year and uh, and Riley's consistent SANFL form, do you reckon the club stuffed up in not playing Riley earlier? Because essentially what yes. would you have preferred this year is uh, you know 10 games into Riley Bonner or another 10 games into Cam O'Shea? Or Paul Stewart. Or Paul Stewart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, look, that makes it... That's really easy, isn't it? Like, it's clear that you want to get those games into Riley Bonner and... Because of the way our list is structured and because certain people in the leadership group and or best mates with people that are, and uh, I'm sure they're a really happy family at Port Adelaide right now, but, uh, you know, we should have got more games into Bonner in my view. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't have, and it's just a wasted opportunity. Well, I think Tom Cleary and Logan Austin showed what can happen if you get some games into these young guys, don't, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Well, maybe, yeah, the, maybe the club thought maybe it was just one youngster too far. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't see any sort of legitimate reason why he wasn't played earlier. 
um, unless they thought his body wasn't up to it or, or something like that. But uh, for me, that's the biggest mi- uh, misstep the club uh, took, certainly on field this year, is that um, you know we didn't give Riley um, enough game time. Yeah, well, I mean, this goes back, this is not my memory, this is my mum's memory, but talking about John Cale and saying, you know, he never was afraid to play a young player. Um, and from what I saw, that was pretty true. You know, when he started with the power, he was right. With the Magpies, he was always having players come through. That's how you get guys like Nathan Buckley come in. And I think Bruce Abernathy debuted in a final. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of stories of the young guys at the Magpies in the old days oh, getting sure. a run pretty early on. Yep. And at the power, we don't do that. So yeah, look at Andrew McLeod and Cockatoo Collins and all sorts. Absolutely. Yeah, lots of uh, teenagers played in premierships. Yeah, heaps. And we don't... Yeah let them play AFL games at, at the power, why? Well, I think since Choco, we've almost been too scared to do it. We are. We haven't really shown confidence. That's not true. No. Primus, Primus tried it. Primus, Primus did it. Primus tried it. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, we right. owe a bit to him for that, quite frankly. Right. Look, yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's some players that we've done it with. You look at Impy, like he played, what, 18 games in his first year, so... We have done it sometimes. Uh, I don't know. It's it usually when forced. Yeah, usually when forced, I guess. But um, we were both really keen on him in his draft year and uh, and pretty stoked yeah. we got him, Porsche. How do you feel uh, 12 months down the track? Yeah, pretty good. I think in the drunk cast, I made a pretty clear <laughs> statement on that, which was about Sam Mays and everyone saying, get Sam Mays, get Sam Mays. Well, he was a pick six, and I reckon Riley Bonner will top him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. For sure. So, what uh, does he start round one next year? Yep. Oh, well, he does too. it depends. Do we? Do we? It depends on how many flankers we get rid of in this trade period or the list. Yeah, I think he has to just for the I don't know for the the feng shui of the side and trying to get some youth <laughs> the into vibe this of the team. thing. The vibe. It's all about the vibe. And Marlo, again, get him in. Play mm. these kids. They got talent. So who would give him a go? What, what would be your starting? Six defence then? I would... Uh, I think we went through this a few weeks back. Um, cool. But I would start Austin at full back. Um, yep. Obviously, Darcy Byrne-Jones back there. Um, I would have Bonner um, on a back flank. Uh, I would play Jasper on a wing. I would move him a little bit further up the ground. Uh, obviously, um, uh, Cleary in there as well. I think Trengove... Uh, if he's not rucking, then he should be at centre-half back still. Uh, so I think we've got a lot of options there. Um, what about Jonas? Yeah, well, he's it's probably the odd one out. And I really like Jonas, and but, um, yeah, not sure where he fits at the moment. Could he get us anything at the trade table? Maybe. Elbows? He's not well, exactly I, been in great... I would hope someone might give up a third rounder for him, but that I would say that would be... Peak trade. I'd rather keep Jonas. Yeah. He's probably more used to us than uh, what his trade worth would be. Yeah, because, I mean, the reality is, like, if we, you know, if you say that O'Shea and Stewart aren't up to it, and I don't think there'd be a lot of people that disagree, then Jonas is our top, sort of, that, that third defender that can be accountable on a tall or a small. Like, he's that yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes, you know, if those two go in some form, then even if it's just delisted and rookie listed or whatever else, then I think Jonas stays for sure. Yep. Right. 
So, moving on, next player is Jesse Palmer, who is uh, 19 years old. It was his second year on the list. Played three AFL games, uh, kicked one goal, averaged 11 touches, four and a half marks, and two inside 50s a game. Also played 16 SANFL games for 17 goals and averaged uh, 16 touches, five marks, and two and a half inside 50s a game. Uh, he obviously got his debut. Um, I guess the question that I've got, given that he also played some really consistent and uh, at times dominant form in the SANFL, did we wait uh, too long to debut Jesse? I don't think so. I have doubts about his... I'm, I'm, the word that keeps sticking in my mind is class, and I, that's not quite what I mean, but I think he's a bit of a grunt. I think he's a bit of a T-shirt. He's... Um, I don't. I, don't I, I think he's got some uh, good talents, but I, I don't know that he'll ever have fin- the finesse that I think he would need to play the role that he ideally is suited for. Yeah. Well, which, he's just suited for the uh, the Aaron Young role. So essentially, Youngy pretty well stole his spot this year just through his uh, consistent yeah. form and his ability to kick goals week after week. But I think if uh, if Aaron Young can make a career out of that, uh, or at least have such a good year as he did this year, then I think Jesse Palmer should be able to as well. Well, would you trade Aaron Young and promote Jesse Palmer to be a regular? Well, it's certainly an option. You'd certainly put Youngie on the table to see if uh, someone might give you sort of like a top 25 pick for it. Mm, I think it would. Do you reckon they would command that? Well, you never know. Coming off the pretty best year, I mean, lots of players get traded for above uh, sort of realistic value because they've had sort of a, a breakout season. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if if you were trying to sell him off, you'd be looking at the teams he played pretty well in the first part of the year, and then hopefully their memory of him is a bit more like, oh, yeah, no, he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> he's on the rise. Yeah. Mm. It would just be unfortunate that it will be, again, uh, the wrong person that's really being made accountable for the bad seeds in a way. But that's not accountable. That's not that's not a move made for accountability. That's a move made to improve our list, and that's an important distinction we need to make. Yeah. We need yeah, to be improving our yeah. list. I guess from my perspective, it's it's not the right player that should be moved. But that's off topic from yeah. the young fellas that we're talking about. Correct. Mm. Well, you brought it up. <laughs> so what, what don't you like about Jesse? Like, is it just his finesse? Because he does have his skills... Especially his goal kicking at times can let himself down. Yeah, I think he's a blazer. I don't think he thinks too much before he disposes. And in theory, like in theory, a really good disciplinarian coach would get them out of him. But like, I mean, I think the classic one for me, and this is a huge upgrade on Jesse Palmer, but I think the classic one for me was Jared Brennan, who when he was drafted, everyone's like, oh, look at all these unique talents. And the first thing Lee Matthews did was remove all of them. Um, yeah. and, and by saying you've got to play this very disciplined game, so it could work or it could not. But I kind of think that, like, if he doesn't, if he doesn't play very specific roles, if he doesn't really work on his kicking and doing the sensible thing rather than what he thinks to do in the spur of the moment, I, I think that he's got a, a, a limit on his head if he can't do that. Yeah, sure. He just wasn't panicking under the pressure of game. Uh, he's only played a half dozen games and. You know, Macca loves the kid. He wanted him in basically after round two and was pushing his case and was having big sulks when he wasn't coming in sooner. So uh, mm. maybe just needs a few more games, a bit more composure. But I thought his overhead marking was pretty strong. And, uh, yeah, I was that, but... yeah, I was that. I think his defensive pressure is pretty good. I think um, he knows where to run. He knows where to lead. Um, 
again, as I said, he's pretty similar to uh, to Aaron Young in that regard. Um, I guess the question that I've got is with uh, with Monfrey's back next year, where exactly does uh, Jesse sit in the depth chart, and uh, yeah, has he done enough to start in front of Gus? Well, I mean, it depends because you know there's some rumor. I hate how we work in rumors, but apparently Monfries will be on our list next year. So, I, if if Monfries is on a rookie list, then I don't think it threatens Palmer. But who knows? Yeah. Hmm. I guess if Monfries is still on our list, it sort of frees up that potential trade of Young that you were talking about as well, doesn't it? Well, yeah. no, because we don't know what condition he's really going to be in. You know, like he's at the tail end of his career and he's had a year off. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, but, I mean, it's a bit different to someone that's been injured. I mean, because that's limiting their training capacity. Surely someone that's not been injured but that can't play football should be able to simulate their fitness a lot better to a, a recuperating player. I think yeah, Gus but has kept I, himself no. fit, but um, you never sort of... He's not going to be match fit in terms of sort of dealing with yeah. the rigors of the knocks and tackles and bumps of, of AFL footy. And as I said, it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, if both Gus and uh, Ryder sort of ping a hammy in the first sort of couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I mean, he's... Yeah, okay, the, the guys that come back from injury, they have a disadvantage of a sort. But the other the massive advantage they have is that, you know, they've got a full fitness regime. They're not relying on a fitness first personal trainer or something. Like, they've got a proper... You know, doing all the skin folds and whatever else the magic stuff that the fitness guys do is. Um, whereas when you're off by yourself without being able to access a club and certainly without being given funding to pay for all that stuff yourself, like that's pretty limiting. Um, so he probably has done a good job. He's probably done his running and all that sort of stuff there. But as to whether he's, you know, been refined by a professional fitness staff, well, I mean, he hasn't been for a year and that is a big deal in AFL. Yeah. Mm. Right. Billy Frampton is the next player on the list. 19 years old, second year at Port Adelaide. Uh, played 10 SANFL games this year, kicked two goals, averaged uh, 10 touches, 20 hitouts, and three marks a game. I guess it was another year spoiled by injury for Big Billy. Um, mm. What did you think of him in 2016, and uh, where does he fit at Port Adelaide? Well, he needs to be fit to fit anywhere, realistically. Like, he's... You know, everyone's excited about his aggro and that he's, you know, he's a, he, like physically he looks a ruckman. Like he looks like he could be a, a ruckman down the line, but he's got to he's got to be fit to be that. Um, I don't know. Like if he goes, if he spends, if he has another injury riddled season this year, like does he come back from that? You know, in yeah. 2017, if he has another season where he just can't play, you know, pretty close to the whole season, then I think he's probably a bit on the outer, really. Uh, which is a shame these... because he does seem to have some good aptitudes, but yeah, he seems to have these seasons, or he seems to have these injuries which just sort of linger and linger and linger. Yeah, um, it might sound like a stupid question, but and especially given how aggressive he can be, but is he maybe too soft in a mental sense? What do you mean, Macca? In terms of maybe his injuries should be uh, resolved quicker than what they actually are. Uh, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know that that's a disqualifier for an AFL player. There's the classic remark, and unfortunately it is 20 years old this year. God, that's awful. Um, about Corey McKernan in the 1996 grand final, he had an injury problem that year and he copped a knock on his knee. And the quote after the game was, like, oh, after I copped a pretty solid knock on my knee, I realised it was okay, so I played pretty hard and didn't even win the Norm Smith medal that year or something. Um, yeah, so 
you know, that, 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 that mental aspect, like even really good players can have that aspect coming back from injury. I don't know that that disqualifies you from AFL, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you, do you want your Ruckman to be someone that will play injured when they're not even playing an AFL game at that point? I, I don't think you do. Yeah. I think that's silly. Well, he's yeah, still a young fella. I mean, yeah. he's in the most physical position on the ground, really. Um, you got to—I think you just got to give these guys a little bit of time. Yeah, because it's not like he's dipped out on fin- skipped out on finals or something because he's got a hammy or whatever else. Like he's—he's, he's, you know, he's playing reserves realistically. Yeah. Um, and he's a developing player, so you want him to get it right. You don't want to log—you don't want to lock with him, basically. Do you like Billy, and do you think he's got a chance of making it at AFL level? Uh, yeah, I think he does. He hasn't been he hasn't been on our list all that long, and he's a ruckman, and I think he's been showing enough that he gets another year, like I said. But I think that if he has another poor slash injury riddled year in twenty seventeen, I think he's gone. But I think he gets another year. Do we think we discount okay. his chances of making it a little bit too much in terms of we always look at we're talking about trading out Loby and bringing in some sort of ready made ruck support for. Ryder and uh, Trengove. There's obviously chat about Nathan Vardy as well. Should we put a bit more pressure on Billy Frampton and say, hey, here's your chance to sort of um, you know, push for selection? Uh, I think that that's a nice idea. But like, if we traded out Lobby, I'd still want us to get a you know another ruck on the rookie list, for example, and not necessarily a senior one, maybe even you know a couple of 18-year-olds or something. Because it's okay to say, hey, we want to give you an opportunity to make the side. But if he's not fit, you know, then that opportunity is there and he doesn't have the opportunity to take it. Like, he had, he could have played this year if he was fit, you know. Yeah. When Lobby went down, Frampton could have been playing this year. This could have been his opportunity, but he wasn't able to. So it's, it's a big risk setting up so that he is our second, you know, full, uh, full-time Ruckman type. Um, that's a big risk for our list to do that, um, particularly if you don't put a bit of depth behind him. So what are, what are his chances in 2017? Do we think we will see um, Billy debut at any stage? I think so, yeah. Just needs to get fit, doesn't he, really? Yep. Yeah. String, string some games together. I think over the last couple of years we've shown that anyone's potentially capable of getting a game. you just got to be fit and ready to go. Yeah. I, I think the main concern I have is that um, we play Ryder and Trengove in our 22, and then Lobby sucks up the central ruck opportunity at SNFL level, which will mean Frampton won't get to develop properly. Uh, that's my main concern. Yeah. All right, next player is uh, Dan Houston, who is uh, 19 years old, first year at Port Adelaide, played 14 SNFL games, kicked nine goals, um, averaged 13 touches, six marks, two tackles, and two inside 50s a game. Uh, he was picked with a fairly late uh, rookie pick, um, he was. How did you see him develop um, this year? Well, look, I mean, we haven't been talking about him being AFL potential realistically on the forums or anything like that. I have, I haven't seen him play, so I can't comment, Maka. But I do recall what he was like as a junior, and unless he's progressed a bit from that, I think he's probably a one and done type, unless you can see otherwise. Well, that's pretty much my next question. Was uh, in our end of year podcast last year, we we did comment that um, he did look a little bit one dimensional, um, mm. that he had to. Uh, sort of resolve some issues in how he sort of played the game. Um, and look, for me, I, I thought he did go some way of fixing that this year. I think we played him off a back flank for a little bit. We ran him through the midfield for a little bit. Um, so we, I think we certainly um, tried to improve his football now a bit. 
Um, I still like him. I think he's worth an extra uh, season on the rookie list, to be honest. Really? Because, yep. I mean, this is look, we've talked about this draft and how it, it's got certain player types. I don't know. Like, I think there might still be okay value on the rookie list for this year if we just replaced him and replaced him with someone that's probably as good or potentially more has more upside. I don't know. Look, I would be... I, would I be think he's happy. replaceable. I would be happy to um, upgrade Will Snelling. I would be happy to keep Dan Houston, and I would be happy to delist Cam Hewitt. Okay. Okay. And also yeah, Nathan Cracker, who's also on the rookie list. So You want to delist Nathan Cracker? Yeah. So you don't see a spot for him in our roster anymore? Not really. Not unless we can move other people on. I, I understand I'm... Uh, yeah, there's there's not many that uh, have that opinion out there, but uh, I I didn't think he had a very good year, and I don't see what the point of him staying on the list is if he's going to play the role that we saw him play this year. I don't think he Which had a good year. Basically, a, a poor man's Hamish Hartlett, really. Yeah, look honestly, I would like to object to what you're saying, Macca, but then I'd be contradicting myself from about ten minutes ago. Uh, in that I think he's the wrong wrong halfback flanker to make accountable for this season, but he's the one that's uncontracted. So, you know, yeah. maybe that's just what, how it goes. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that there is a chance to keep Houston and also get, you know, three or four rookie picks as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you think about him as potentially being the fourth rookie pick on our list, then I can be okay with that. I think he showed great improvement as the year went on, and certainly late in the year he was showing some really consistent form. Um, I like him. I like his ability. Um, he looks really athletic, um, can play the game. He's got really good skills. Um, and as I said, he, he did go some way of fixing that sort of one-dimensional play that um, that we saw him play last year. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, for me, if we do keep him, um, yeah, I would hope he would... Uh, he probably does need to have a big year to stay on the list beyond 2017, uh, but I think he's someone that has the, the natural talent to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, realistically, if he doesn't play an AFL game in 2017, he's gone. So, mm. in my view. Not, not necessarily, but um, you would think that might oh, be the case. Oh, honestly, no, if, if you look at his, you know, he's got good size, he's got good height. Um, if he has a good season at SNFL and can't get a call out to AFL, then... I don't know. <laughs> like that means that the coaches have no faith in him whatsoever. Realistically, yeah. if he does have managed to have a good season and can't get an AFL game, and if he doesn't have a good season and can't get an AFL game, then you know, how'd you go? Yeah, we've got to be ruthless. We want. We just said we want to be ruthless, so we've got to start being ruthless. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's a good bloke. Come <laughs> on, surely okay. there's someone I like else. Him. I like him. Mm. Right, last player is uh, Aidan Johnson. It was also his first year at Port Adelaide last year. 19 years old, uh, played just the five SANFL games for the season, kicked two goals, averaged uh, seven disposals and two tackles a game. Uh, His year was ruined by a a pretty persistent hamstring injury that uh, cut his year very short, uh, which also happened the year before that as well, I think. Um, May not have been a hamstring in his draft year, but it was uh, certainly an injury that kept him for just a couple of games. Uh, when he was on the park, what did you think? Again, I didn't get to see him on the park this year. But um, look, I mean, from a junior level, like he, he, the main thing that he has going for him is his, phys- is his 
physical uh, traits, the fact that he is fast and he has that pace. And so those soft tissue injuries, like even if he'd played a bit more of the season, like you still wouldn't see him at his best. So it's really hard to know if he can produce it at AFL level. Can you take anything out of this season, Maka? Like, is it possible to take anything out of the season for him? Not really, I don't think. Um, I, no. I think given his body shape, and um, and we have seen it a lot at AFL level with these uh, very quick, super thin players. Um, yeah. you know, is he someone that's always going to be sort of susceptible to soft tissue injuries for his first you know, two, three, four, five years? Well, look, I mean, that, that's an issue. But for me, like he's, he, he was recruited as a raw talent that needed refinement. So if... Even if we say his body type is likely to have injuries, the reality is that if he does have injuries, he's not going to be able to develop the things that will make him, you know, AFL ready, and that's concerning. So that, yeah. you know, it might seem unfair. You might say, oh, we can hang on to him until he's fit and then give him a go to develop, but we can't afford to do that. Mm. You know, we're a professional football club. We're not his mum. So yeah. it's just it's tough, but that's how it is. So he needs to be fit. He needs to do everything the fitness and conditioning guys tell him to do. Um and, yeah, develop his game uh, as far as his skills and his decision-making and knowing the game plan and all that fun stuff. Yeah. He just needs minutes on the park at the moment, quite yeah, simply. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I thought um, his first couple of games were a little bit um, dodgy, but uh, certainly his last two games before his injury, um, he was starting to show some pretty impressive signs at SANFL level. Um, his pace, his goal now, um, his ability to get involved in the play up forward, um, and to uh, to find teammates, his defensive pressure was also very very good, as well. Um, how important is it, um, or is he, if he can make it at AFL level, you know, a, a super quick, you know, forward flanker or, or wingman like that? Well, I mean, it really depends on what your definition of make it is. Like, you know, he could play a fifty game career, a hundred game career, and still be a fringer. So, you know, the, the potential's there for him to do a lot of things. The likelihood of that happening is really low. Um, if he becomes a more consistent Nathan Cracker, then he's probably done what we expected him to do, in my view. Yep. And I think that expecting more of that would be pretty ambitious. Mm. But, you know, who knows? He might have it. Rick? Too early for me. It is. It's just way too early. It's all high. It's like Billy Frampton. It's, it's, it's all hypotheticals until, um, until you see him in action. And I guess... The difference is that Porsche is probably a bit more ruthless than me. Two years, and if you don't show it, see you later. Let's try someone else. I guess I'm willing to sort of roll the dice a little bit more. But uh, we've only got forty spots. We've only got forty spots. I think, given his physical traits, um, his pace, um, and that sort of player, I, I would be happy to give him a little bit more time than that. Well, for me, don't we? We need courage and we need people with great disposal efficiency. So, you know, composure, courage and using the ball. I mean, that's where we're really deficient at this point in time. Um, you know, and uh, if, he can, if he can offer two out of those three at least, I think uh, he'll be pushing to get a game. And I think that's like when we spoke about Riley Bonner. Um, he showed courage and he showed good volumes in the in the limited time that we saw him. So, yeah, and uh, I think you don't you disagree? I thought he did. No, I agree with that, but I think that Johnson's got one of those three. I think he's probably got enough courage, but I don't I don't not I'm not super impressed with his disposal efficiency. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I that's something that's, that's only been issue. improved with uh, with match time. With being really. fit, with yeah. being fit, that's that's the issue. Like that's what I'm saying. You're saying I'm being tough to say, you know, two and gone. But the reality is, if he's not fit, then he's not developing because that's exactly what he does need to develop. Like some players, you know, there might be like if Jasper Pittard had spent a year off injured as a, as a junior player, but he's still hung around and learned all the game plans and stuff like that. Wouldn't impact him too much. But the fact is that the things we need. Johnson to add to his game our awareness which you can only learn by playing games and we need him to refine his foot skills and learn how to kick to leading forward yada yada and again they're things you can only really refine with playing time they're not mental they're physical so if he isn't fit then you do have to be harsh unfortunately yeah yeah well hopefully he can stay fit and uh look for me I would hope he plays a good sort of 15 to 17 SANFL games next year and for me that would be um that would be a bit of a win given his uh his year was pretty much a complete write-off this year. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's it's really sad when these things happen. But you know they happen to every club. Every play, every club has players in this boat. In his boat, unfortunately, that's Absolutely. just how it goes. Right. Let's move on and um, answer some questions. We got some questions from the Big Footy Forum. Uh, the first one is from the Beard Amigos, who was asked uh, which one out of this group excites you the most and why. Oh. Um. Billy Frampton, which is probably unexpected, but like the idea of having an aggressive ruckman that is not afraid to contest and and push the ball forward, like that's that's pretty exciting. He's a long, long way from being that player that I'm sort of dreaming that we might have on our list one day. But I mean, of those guys, he's the one that excites the most because he's got the most potential to really change how our side plays. I reckon Riley Boner Bonner. Because he uh, reminds me of Chad Wingard, and it'd be cool to have two Chads in the side. Double chatting it. Okay. Yep. Double Chad. And we've got men's <laughs> all, then it's triple Chad. Go on. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to say, say Riley Bonner as well, just because I think he's such a natural talent, and we need players that can actually kick, and Riley can certainly kick. So he's the one that I think has got the highest ceiling of this group and could be um, sort of like the, the 200 game player out of this batch. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, next one is from Warfy, who has asked, uh, do you see any of this group having the potential to reach the exalted position of Bigfooty Whipping Boy? Yeah, Palmer. Maybe Johnson, but he has to play first. Okay. Really? Frampton? Yeah, look, I would say Frampton nah. is the unbackable uh, the favourite there. Yeah, to be Whipping Boy? No way. Yeah, because he'll get a gig and he'll do he'll get a couple of possessions, not many hit outs, um, and everyone will go, Oh well he's crap because he didn't do enough because Nah everyone... I I think you're underestimating how much Porter willing to put up with uh, um some substandard play if he's a, a a bollocking half forward sort of guy that gets thrown in people's faces like that or Ruckman that'll get thrown in people's faces like We've got a very high tolerance for that kind of player. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're a sort of a, a speedy flanker that comes on and, you know, kicks a massive turnover in your first game, like you're the whipping boy, right? Like yeah. Carl Amon will tell anyone of them than that. So that's definitely the Aiden Johnson camp if he comes in and does that. Yeah. And Jesse Palmer is in that boat too for the O'Shea yeah. equivalent. No, so, yeah. I'm also going to choose Riley Bonner for this one because, as I said, I think he's got the, the most talent to reach that sort of 200-game mm. level. Um, and if he looks like faltering a bit, especially considering so many people on our forum are, are very, very keen to see Riley play, um, yeah, yeah, he could be that uh, that whipping boy for someone that's um, you know basically doing another sort of Hamish Hartlett, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, the, the really good scapegoats are players that have very visible snuff-ups in games. That That's what the most important thing is. That's why Broadbent never was really it. You know, he sort of has had to earn that role. Um, but because he doesn't turn it over, obviously, a lot of the time, then he's usually okay. So. Yep. Uh, Dylan has asked a question. Chocolate, strawberry, or banana donuts? Banana donuts? <sighs> That's a weird question because I mean, if it I was like milk, bananas, I'd be so like definitely not banana. Look, I, like, uh, I don't know, like donuts. I I don't like donuts all that much. Like the the best donut I had would have been oh. in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, the best donut I had was a vanilla glazed donut at Donut Delirium on O'Connell Street at some point in the nineties. Like that was the best donut I had, and I've had the occasional donut since then. I don't like them, so. Hmm. I think this is a horrible question because I've actually got some major sugar cravings going on right now. So <laughs> you, know, you suck, but um, I've, never, I've never even knew that chocolate or, sorry, strawberry or uh, banana donuts existed, so I'm going to go chocolate. I'm going to say strawberry donuts over chocolate. Um, what is a strawberry donut? Where, where are these? I've never seen a strawberry donut. Yeah, I don't know what strawberry icing. Or... Are we just talking pink icing? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, oh, good, good hot jam. It's more sort of like hot jam donuts. That's, that's right. more sort of like yeah. raspberry right. jam inside. But yeah, I that's think we're more good. talking about the the icing and the flavour in the icing on top. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, chocolate. Yeah. Uh, CT Power has asked the uh, a pretty serious question of uh, is Keith Thomas the CEO to win us a flag or the CEO that saved us and no more than that? Uh, number two. Rick? Uh. I, I'm, I'm willing. Um, I'm willing to stick fat with Keith. I think he can take us to a flag. I look. I don't think My he can. And right, yeah. the the reason why I don't think he can is because the thing that the way he saved us, the way he saved the club, is by being very corporate. As much as we have a go at the Crows for being corporate, we are probably more corporate than them right now. Um, and corporations operate differently corporations like you'd see it in the nfl and the nhl and all the american ones where the private owners you know a lot of the private owners they're just happy having a team and as long as they make a profit every year they're, they're pretty okay and as long as they don't finish bottom or something they're happy to maybe make the playoffs bit uh, and they manage them that way and that's how corporations manage teams because they maximize you know that they maximize your ability to earn revenue and maintain an audience uh, and I feel like to to really go for a premiership, you've got to take risks. You've got to take real risks. And it's not, you know, good corporate managers that do those big risks. It's the guys that are trying to make a name for themselves or that have some big dream and they're willing to make sacrifices and risk getting it wrong to get there. And I'm just not – I don't know that – I don't reckon KT's that guy. I reckon there's hardly anyone that, that is, is that person. But when you get them, they're invaluable, you know. Um, like you take, let, let's let me talk a bit more. The NBA, the, the big one there is um, when um, what's his name, Mark Cuban took over in the Dallas Mavericks. You know, like you knew when he took him over because he was such a fanatic and he was willing to make huge sacrifices that they were going to be successful. Um, you know, he really wanted that team to do well, and we're not in the position to have that sort of impact in our side. We don't have the billionaires waiting that will make big sacrifices to see our team succeed. We've got billionaires that are interested to, you know, get a little bit of something out of promoting us and sponsoring us, but it's a big different thing to being a driving force, you know. 
as much as Alan Scott, you were wrong. He was very much a sponsor for us that wanted premierships. That was great for us, as much as we like bagging him occasionally. That was really good. Good on him. But if we don't have one of those, then it's hard to do that. Macca, what do you think? My faith is wavering at the moment, I've got to say. Um, some have of you lost decisions... it altogether? No, no, I haven't lost it altogether. But look, some of the decisions that have been made over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, uh, I haven't been keen on. I haven't been at all happy with. Um, and I think... Okay. I think maybe we started to sort of read our own press a little bit. Ah. But is that KT? Oh, look, he, he runs the club. Right. The other issue about the way it's being managed is that if you, any CEO that makes big changes to a club that they have been at for a while one of the changes that you would usually expect them to make is a change to the CEO because that means that the direction they originally set was wrong. So it's much safer to gently manage a new situation. It's why you don't sack um, a guy like Sean Hart. It's why you do reallocate him to a different area where he can't hurt the side until his contract's up. You know, it's why you make those sorts of quiet changes and you do everything slowly and you have mature conversations and all these sorts of things there. Like, that's how we're being governed, right? We're being governed exactly like that. Uh, and I don't th- think that that's what we actually need as a club, not as a member-run club, certainly. But are we member-run? I don't think we are. Sometimes to attract people, you just can't offer... If you th- Especially if you think they've got a good CV and, uh, you know... And experience, you can't go. Oh well, yeah, Sean, come over as coaching director for a year, mate, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, it, I mean, maybe we could. Have, I don't even know the contractual situation if we can have, um, you know, performance clauses in those positions or not. But um, I guess it's a bit hard. I mean, especially for a destination which can be more difficult to attract people compared to, say, Victoria or, or you know, our big brother, whatever we want to call them. Um, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, Rick. I think to attract off-field staff, I think sometimes you need to go a little bit harder than what um, you would normally think is okay. So I don't think there's too many agree. people that are going to move states and uplift their entire family and life for like a two-year deal. Um, so I think sometimes you know a three, four, or five year deal in that situation I think is justified. Um, I don't agree. We wanted like, to do that for someone like Sean Hart in the role that he was um, appointed to do. I'm not sure that's the sort of uh, no. position that you want to be sort of uh, giving that sort of long term contract. But um, I think in, we've clearly made mistakes in terms of on field and uh, misjudged where our list was at. I think we're all pretty excited at the end of 2014 about what was in store for Port Adelaide. It hasn't happened. Um, I think it's pretty clear that um, giving Hamish Hartlett a five-year deal plus the uh, vice-captaincy is quite possibly the worst mistake we've made um, at AFL level so far. Um, And look, in the end, KT's the one that signs off on all the deals. He's the one that signs off on the contracts. Everything's got to go through him. Um... If we struggle next year, as I said at the start of the show, like I, I think his job is in severe jeopardy. 
But Maka, you talk about, you know, maybe we have to pay a little bit more or commit a little bit more to get people to Adelaide. But I don't know, like, if you do, I don't think that should be necessarily the, no, to should Adelaide. Be the, it, I think it's to, AFL Okay, but even if you do, the only people you do that for are the guys that are proven. Like, if you're not a proven pers- performer, like, at the level that for the job that you're applying, like, if you're not basically going straight into the same job you were already doing somewhere else, then you've got something to prove if you want that pay rise, yeah? Yeah. Like you talk about uh, co- good good coaches or coaches won't do that. Alistair Clarkson came over to Central Districts on nothing but a promise, yeah? You know? Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a bit different though. Not really. He's ambitious. He's ambitious and he's come out and he's become probably the best coach in the game right now. Yeah, yeah but coaching director is not an ambitious position. It's more of a... Uh, isn't it? Because the last one got made a senior coach, it should be an ambitious position. Because if you don't have an ambitious guy doing there, you're not going to get any revolutionary change. Has to yeah. be an ambitious position. But I mean, he he was willing to trek to Centrals to get his foot in the door, yeah, you know, exactly. to get an, to get an opportunity. Sean Hart was already in a position. Um, what, position know, and... what position was he in? He was development coach or something already then, wasn't he? And he goes straight into head director of coaching. Ridiculous. And now, he, and now he's it back to being a pure mate's pick by Hinckley. Yeah, well, it was a mate's pick by, pick by Hinckley, wasn't it? What should have happened is that they should have restructured if they decided they didn't want a, a, a head of coaching. But instead of that, they made heart it and pretended it was what they wanted all along rather than say, oh, gee, we weren't able to get someone of the quality we expected, so they filled a position with a bad recruit, which is number one on the list of things that managers shouldn't do. Yeah, well, I'm not disagreeing with that. But <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I, me and Mac are in the same camp here. Sometimes you've got to offer a little bit more to get people across, and especially when we're not a luxurious destination. There's, you know, there's repeat calls on our uh, on our football club over finances and also our output, you know, as we, well, as I have been banging on since round four, we've only made two final series in the last nine years. Um, you know, it's difficult to get people across when it's quite easy to go to Hawthorne or Geelong or Sydney or West Coast or even Fremantle. You know, yeah, look, so I disagree. Success breeds more success. It's as simple as that. That's right. right. How many head coaches have come out of Hawthorne system? How many head coaches came out of Collingwood system, Geelong system? You know, to be successful, it also means you're going to get poached, which means you've got to pick new play, new people coming in that you hope are going to be able to fulfil those sorts of jobs as well. Uh, quite clearly, we've missed the boat on that one. Well, that, has, that no, happens. no, but okay, hang on. But with any assistanty position or director of coaching position, who is the last team that overpaid for a coach that has had a actual return from it? Because the last big one I can think of where it's like, oh, we've got to pay a lot to get him here, was Michael Voss going to West Coast and pissing off to coach the Brisbane Lions a month later. Like that's you know that's the category of things we're talking well, about. Like, well, who's, wanna... who's who's sorry, who's who's the counterpart to that? Well, who's the counterpart? Well. Paul Roos in Melbourne, what, he's basically came there as the, as the senior coach. That's a completely different situation. He's a senior well, coach. Talking about it. You said coach, didn't you? No, from assistant coach, I said. Former assistant. Well, from assistant, yeah. From, from assistant, assistant to a role, yeah, to another yeah. assisting yeah. role. Yeah, yeah. You know, when's the last time overpaying an assistant or, or slash director of coaching the, that they paid a huge amount for them that it really paid off? I don't reckon it's paid off a single time. Yeah, well, I, you're probably right. I don't know. I don't it's really follow. It's hard to say off the top of my head. You'd have to do a bit of research yeah. to have a look. Yeah. I think yeah, overpaid no. assistance is the number one thing you should never do. 
Yeah, well, in hindsight, absolutely. But you still need capable pre-sight, mate. You can. That's a standard thing. If you, if it, you know, if you want, right, if you want, Porsche. If you want, and if you want, I am bloody pissed off because this is the Port Adelaide Football Club, and it's going to take at least five years to start fixing this shit if we start now. This is this is the port. What's happening to Port right now is the short-term equivalent of global warming. You know, this is this is stuff you've got to do things about because if you don't, we're going to be in the same situation five years time. Frankly, I am pissed off, absolutely, because we're making these stupid decisions that even if we are a corporation, go against what corporations should do. Well, could the Port Adelaide Football Club turn it around quickly next year? What do you mean by it? Could we have an okay performance Our on performance. field? Yes, Our could performance have... next year. Could it be turnaround? Could we be playing finals and then everyone sort of like, wow, maybe we weren't as bad as what we thought we were? Is that how possible? Many, how many false storms are we going to set ourselves up for, Rick? In 2007 and in, what, 2014, we had really good years. We had those good years where we were playing with a setup that never approached the forward line the same time twice, the same way twice. Um, we, had, we were looking at the game and saying, how are we winning all these games? We're winning a lot of close games. And that's great. And if you have those freak seasons, it's fantastic. Well, that's not building towards a premiership. That's just having the what the every clock is right twice a day, or even a broken clock is right twice a day thing. You know, we we played as the outsider in both of those seasons. And yeah, okay, the Bulldogs have shown you can sort of do that. But even they're structured, you know, like a top four side as far as their actual list in for the most part. You know, they went out and they do things like Tom Boyd. And what are we doing? We're, we're filling gaps. We're filling gaps and, and not doing enough underneath. And we're being conservative with decisions that should be ruthless. You know, we could have one good season. But what's one good season? We're not in this for one good season. We're not Richmond. We're, you know, we shouldn't be anyway, but we're running like we are. I'm really pissed. I'm getting more angry, so I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's only taken me one one opportunity back. <laughs> I think that's the most angry I've been on this podcast. So oh, I'm, that I'm, is a rant oh, and a half right there. I'm ready to go. The rant car. <laughs> Fire up. That's it. Well, Long Live PAFC has asked the question, are we going to get the mid that we need with our first pick? Look, we could. Yeah. It's a matter of whether we draft them. Yes, that's right. Which you can find out more about uh, this coming Thursday um, in our second part of our draft series uh, on the podcast where we are discussing, uh, we'll be going through South part one of our uh, two-part South Australian uh, series. So we're looking at about 10 or 11 um, South Australian juniors and where they might fit in the draft and uh, whether we can see them at Port Adelaide. Yeah, if we talk, I think that was a bit of a bad segue though, because if we're talking about getting the you know the fielder we need to pick nine, like there's no one in South Australia that's going to do no. that. So that's right. If you really specifically and we will explain why one... on Thursday night. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> hey, we we is in you two, not me, because I've got no idea. That's just... okay. So I'm, I'm only good at taking pot shots yeah. retrospectively. I'm like Robert Walls. Yeah, alone. Right, well, that was a uh, that was a feisty end, but um, yes, that was a good one. I liked it. No uh, more random questions. No more random questions. That's all I've got for this evening. So, uh, thank you, Porsche, for coming on again. Thank you, Rick, for joining us for the first time in months. Uh, mate, come on, it's been like six weeks. Oh, that's months. Well, no, no it's not. 
well, it's close. It is close. It is close. It is close. But I, I missed you guys. It's oh. been it's been a nice journey for me. But um, all good things come to an end. Until I go, I go to Europe again in uh, over Christmas. So that's pretty cool. Looking forward okay. to that one. I'm going to Vienna and Switzerland. Nice. nice. You going skiing? For the very first, you know, I've never seen snow. So, what? Um, I've never seen snow, and oh, a, a friend fantastic. of mine, a friend of mine, asked me to um, come over there. His parents have a chalet in Switzerland, and I went, okay. Hell. And so uh, I'm, vis- I'm visiting a friend in Vienna, and then both of us are going to go visit this other friend in um, uh, in Switzerland and go go skiing. And then I've got another friend in Florida who's invited me over there. So then I'm going to go to Florida. So uh, I'm just. I'm just house hopping. I'm scamming off of all these people, but, uh, but should be good. I'm looking for. I'll take pictures and I'll send them to you, Macca. Nice one. Right. <laughs> Until next time. Can't appear. Adios. Sack everyone. Goes back. Lockwood can unload. Oh, he goes the top. Well, they put it and they held the ball up. They had no one to kick it to. There was about four or five.